everyone, it's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and it's time for episode 180 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. Uh, so I'm excited. Not only do we have Richard with us today, how's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Uh, not much. Excited to uh, talk some magic, but we also have Chris Van Meter. He is back. It's been a couple weeks, Chris. How are you doing? Good to have you back. Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be back as well. I wasn't there in Vegas for you guys for that episode. I had a Monday swamped with meetings the following week, and I broke a tooth last weekend and had to go to the dentist last Monday. Uh, but I'm back now and still have all my teeth. That's that's a good thing. All the teeth is definitely uh, definitely good. <laughs> so this week, we have not a ton of huge topics, but a bunch of smaller topics we wanted to talk about. So we're going to kick it off with M19 pre-release that happened this weekend. Then we're going to follow that up, talk a little bit about the modern GP, which also happened this weekend, and a weird quirk of fate having pre-release and a big GP on the same weekend. We have some brawl news and some non-news with the Commander BNR update, and then Fish mail of course oh yeah and uh, sdcc uh, sdcc planeswalkers also were announced in the past week so lots of little things to talk about but let's kick it off with probably our biggest topic which is m19 pre-release so richard chris did either of you actually play in a pre-release event uh so i forgot it was pre-release weekend (laughs) so i (laughs) did not schedule appropriately so what i ended up doing was playing the moto pre-release and i haven't played magic online since forever basically so the last time so commander clash has been in a hiatus for a while and i've been exclusively playing arena so it was the first time playing actual magic on moto for a while and apparently i can't enter events anymore i actually entered the league for m19 which uh, lets you add packs as you go on and it's nine total rounds so i played nine rounds of m19 (laughs) with the same deck (laughs) one seven two it was actually pretty good my bombs were resplendent angel and platyamores uh and the real the real bomb though was uh green seeker dryad or dry green seeker it's the two mana one three that you can tap to look at the top card of your library and if it's a land put it into uh put in your hand that was that's an uncommon and it basically took over all of my games uh so much that it is like the Tatyova. It is like the uncommon mythic, in my opinion. You just draw so much, and the 1-3 body blocks so well in the format. And that pretty much just ramped me into my my scary dragon and won me most of my games. So I actually went 7-2 in that league without adding any additional packs. I had the option of adding two packs, but I didn't want to buy any more packs. So, so that was pretty fun. So I thought it was pretty cool. And I thought it was pretty cool that... Once again, Moto pre-release is happening the same time as regular pre-release, so if you're not near a local game store, you can show up online and play. And I thought M19 was pretty fun overall. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that 1-3 is insane. I saw it do a lot of work, and it the body ends up being super relevant. Um, I was able to play in one pre-release flight. Um, I drew in the last round to split with somebody that I knew so we could both get the maximum number of packs available between the two of us. And uh, the format seemed really sweet. I just had a a black-white deck, very little removal, but I had some sweet combinations. I had Graveyard Marshal to make two twos by exiling creatures from my graveyard. I had Monastery Mentor, which lets me draw cards when I make those two twos. I also had the Leonin Warcaller 
the the four mana four four that makes two one one lifelink attackers when he attacks, which also combos with Monastery Mentor. I got to draw a lot of cards. And then I had Open the Graves, which makes two twos when my non-token creatures die, which I can also draw cards with Monastery Mentor. So I basically drew about a billion cards over the course of the four rounds that I played with this deck. Um, I had a lot of fun. It seemed really sweet. Uh, a few things that I noticed is that the format is way slower than some of the previous core set formats. Like, it's very difficult to have a very good aggressive deck. So cards like that 2-mana 1-3, they can gain you some value. Something like uh, Diamond Mare, the 1-3 artifact horse that lets you gain life as you play cards of separate colors. Those cards are very good. And 2-mana two 2-1s two end up not being very good unless you have some way to kind of enhance them. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. I enjoy Corset Limited quite a bit. Uh, I thought about trying to head down to Sacramento for the Grand Prix so that I could play a little bit more Corset Limited, but I'm not going to be able to get the time off of work, so I'll just have to watch it on Twitch. Um, but yeah, I, I love Corset Limited, and this one definitely hits all the high notes. Oh, that sounds pretty awesome. I'm the one who actually hasn't done a pre-release event yet. It is uh, on my list, but I didn't make it to a pre-release, and I haven't even played one on Magic Online. So uh, my, I guess my opinion is uh, to be determined once I actually get to play it, which is going to be over uh, hopefully today and over the next couple days with streams, and then there's like a, a preview stream thing on Magic Arena. So I'll be playing it a lot in the next few days, but based on what both of you said, uh, it seems like a pretty fun format, like overall pretty happy with it yeah uh definitely happy the there's not a lot of premium removal um and the majority of the removal is splashable so drafting is very interesting uh, you kind of have to stay open ish but s snack you know grab that removal when you can things like lightning strike electrify uh luminous bonds um the, I don't remember what the blue enchantment is uh, called, but minus six, minus zero, and if they block, it dies. It's like the like the only premium pieces of removal are with double mana, and their cost is murder and the kill a creature, gain three life, five mana black common. So the removal is pretty highly contested because it's it's very splashable. So it all comes down to just extracting as much value out of all of your cards as you can. And some of the rares are just like huge bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got absolutely murdered by Nicol Bolas. Like, absolutely murdered. It's like, it, it comes down, it makes you discard. It's a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four flying, and you know, you know they're going to flip it, and when it flips, you're dead. So you just leave all your mana open and pretend you have removal, when in actuality you have nothing. And <laughs> you hope they, <laughs> they don't flip it. But the minute Nicol Bolas flips, it's it's like carnal, so you just scoop immediately. You can't beat that. Yeah, the, the, the Mythics are super powerful. There's not a lot that handles six mana, six, six dragons, so those are very good. Nicol Bolas is good. Um, the patient rebuilding is absurd. Like, mill three is very, very aggressive, uh, and that if, you get, if that pops off twice, you're usually going to win the game. One interesting thing from this weekend, I normally play two-headed giant with my wife, but I decided that I wanted to just experience this as, as a solo, solo player for a normal pre-release. But Frayne Omnipotence, the one that makes all players lose half of everything, uh, actually draws the game in two-headed giant. And so I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about how like I just had to play five games in this best-of-one two-headed giant match because every time we get ahead, our opponent just draws the game and starts it over. Uh, so that that seems uh, kind of cruddy.
Uh, speaking of two-headed giant, what to, what is the black sorcery? It came across uh, Twitter. I think it was Ari Lax that was tweeting about it. Uh, it's like a pox-like effect. Yeah, it's fraying omnipotence. Yeah, apparently, three black, black, and all players lose half of everything. Yeah, apparently that just draws the game if you play it in yeah. two-headed giant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wizards. It, it's mostly funny because they just printed Battle Bond, which is like this two-headed giant focus set. So people are actually, for the first time in, I don't even know, a long time, kind of thinking about two-headed giant. And then they put this card that's just like literally busted in the format. <laughs> yep. Uh, so any other impressions, thoughts of M19 before we move on to our next topic? Don't play two ones. <laughs> I, I don't even want to play a Grizzly Bear. Format is really slow. There's so many good blockers in the format. And you basically just clog up the ground, and then whoever's fl- flying bomb does not die usually wins. Yeah, you, you certainly have to have a good reason to play a bunch of two ones. So that's uh, that's M19 pre-release. Let's talk a bit about Modern. So like we mentioned in the intro, uh, usually doesn't happen. Normally Wizards tries to separate GPs in pre-release events, but M19 was pushed up a week, which means GP Sao Paulo was taking place, a Modern GP, and it was a pretty big one. I think there were like 1,500 players-ish that were at the event, and there was coverage all weekend. So uh, the top eight of the event, is what we mostly want to focus on. And it looks like modern. It's super diverse. There's, I think, seven different decks in the top eight, uh, two mm-hmm. Mardu Pyromancers and seven unique decks. But the big thing is there were a lot of Ancient Stirring decks, right, Chris? Yeah, there are four separate archetypes that play differently uh, that all have four copies of Ancient Stirring. So uh, an Amulet Titan deck made top eight, Green Red Eldrazi, we haven't seen in a while, made top eight. Uh, KCI made top eight, top eight, obviously again, and then just a normal Tron deck made top eight. So we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of mileage is being got out of Ancient Stirrings. A lot of people are clamoring that it should be banned. Like, why does Green get the best cantrip in the format? Um, but if the goal of Wizards is to have the format be extremely diverse, Ancient Stirrings is a card that facilitates that because it doesn't just go into one type of deck that's going to use it. We're seeing it all over the place. And we even saw uh, the in the top eight of the SCG uh, Invitational at SCG Con, an Affinity deck made top eight with Ancient Stirrings in it. Yeah, was that the like Hardened Scales Affinity style deck? No, that, that also did very well in this tournament and got ninth. Uh, Matt Nass has been working on it quite a bit. But this was just a normal Affinity deck that used Ancient Stirrings instead of like that one colored slot that you have with like Thoughtcaster or Gavionic Blast. Interesting. He just, had, he just had Ancient Stirrings in his deck and then top eight of the Invitational. I mean, the format is certainly diverse. There's no doubt about that. They have the the metagame breakdowns posted, and number one is Mardu Pyromancer at, like, just under 9%, and then you got Tron at, like, just over 8%, and just a million. There's so many different decks in the format. So uh, the diversity is there. My question about Ancient Strings is... Uh, let's say it was banned. Do you think that these decks that we're talking about, uh, Amulet Titan, Scrap Trawler decks, uh, Valdrazi decks, do they just die? Like, is Ancient Stirrings making these decks possible in Modern, or would they just adapt and still be playable even without Ancient Stirrings? I, I, that's that's a very good question. Uh, I don't think... So I think that the Amulet Titan deck would likely just be dead. Uh, KCI would probably just find some other way because it's like colorless with green because of Ancient Stirrings. So like you could just start playing something like Sleight of Hand or 
you know, just some other type of cantrip. Um, I don't think that Tron would be dead. I don't, I mean, Greater Eldrazi is a pretty fringe deck, but, like, I don't think that any of the Eldrazi strategies would be dead. So, I don't think that it would kill any deck, hmm. other, other than Titan. Yeah, it might not kill them, but it might just make them weak enough that people don't play them. Yeah, that's that's a positive. It, it, I really it's kind of like know. the Deathrite Shaman banning. People are like, oh, okay, this deck is knocked down a peg, but it's knocked down such that people don't want to play it anymore. Is it still viable? But Ancient Stirrings has played a lot, and it gives you a lot of, I guess, consistency in your deck. And once you lose that consistency, yeah. are you willing to play this deck anymore? You know, it, it could just be that the deck is still viable, but people are just not willing to put up with it, and they'll just move on to something else. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So where do you both come down on uh, banning or leaving unbanned Ancient Stirrings? Uh, Richard, any any hot takes? I don't like Stirrings, but I'm also very biased, <laughs> because it, <laughs> it facilitates all the unfair decks that I don't like playing against. So in that sense, you know, I don't like it. Every time I see Ancient Stirrings, I roll my eyes. But, you know, trying to look at it from an unbiased perspective, it is a card that digs very, very deep, and we don't have that ability uh, in any other color today. Uh, there is a restriction that it has to be colorless, but is that really a restriction with all these decks floating around? So it, it's kind of like, I don't know, treasure crews. The restriction is you need to fill your graveyard, but that's not really a restriction. Like, many people can do that. Uh, many decks can do that very easily. So maybe the restriction on Ancient Stirrings is not great enough. Uh, that it it just lets you dig too deep and makes these decks too consistent. So for the same reasons we don't have Ponder, Ancient Stirrings should probably go, but I'm not 100% on it. So I, I'm a big proponent of adding more cards to the format and then trying to, to cut cards away, so I would rather see some unbannings. But you, you also have to look at it like we're seeing the same thing happening with cards like Faithless Looting, right? These are very similar to what we see in Legacy, another non-rotating format with things like Brainstorm and Ponder and Preordain. Like, there's always the cream of the crop in terms of card selection. Um, you know, these cantrip-type cards are always going to raise, raise to the top. So, like, even if we were to ban Ancient Stirrings, like, there would just be another card that becomes ubiquitous and as more cards come into the format and decks get more consistent then we're having this same conversation again in 18 months looking at another card that we think is too too powerful so i think that it's better just to add more power to the format and let people have fun playing the decks that they want to play because they've already invested into it and from my perspective it just seems that wizards wants modern to be as diverse as possible so that you can play any deck that you want to play and ancient stirrings helps facilitate that yeah i've i've kind of always felt like uh, that i would like it to be banned but then if you actually look at the format and look at the diversity and and just the, the what a good place of format is in, in in a lot of ways. Like, sure, you sometimes die really quickly, and sure, sometimes you don't have enough sideboard cards, but I, I think if you look at that as a characteristic of modern rather than, like, a bug, I think the format's in a really good place, so I can see an argument for not leaving it unbanned. It still definitely drives me a little crazy that green has the best cantrip in the format, and blue has several banned cantrips in the format, so I don't... What would happen if they unbanned uh, Preordain or Ponder? Probably not both, but one of them would that would that be what you're talking about chris of like putting more cards into the format or would that just break things even more sure i i think that ponder is better at finding specific cards 
uh, early on in the game, whereas cards like Preordain gain value the longer you hold on to them. So like I, I would rather see Preordain in the format than Ponder. Um, but again, like I would much rather have the format be like way more powerful with a lot more cool things that we can do, rather than try and just like pick and choose what powerful cool things stay in and what powerful cool things leave. What do you think, Richard? Unban the blue cantrips or no? I want them unbanned, but Storm. <laughs> do we have enough Storm hate cards? Have we banned enough seething songs and whatnot? So the problem is in a fair deck, usually these cantrips are fine, but it enables combo decks to kind of go crazy. And Wizards is always very careful about this. And I I liked CVM's point earlier about, you know, cantrips, they'll always be the best cantrip. And maybe eventually we'll be complaining about Serum Visions being too powerful. So if you follow that line of reasoning, you can't start banning things. But if you start unbanning them all, like, where do you... Where do you draw the line? Like, do we want really fast combo decks in Modern? And the question is, how much faster can they get? They're already pretty fast, right? Cantrips don't really speed that up. They just make it more consistent. So so that that's my way of dodging the question. I have no idea. I don't... <laughs> I, I, want, I want to play with Ponder and Preordain, but I don't want my opponents playing with them. So that's, that's the biased answer. <laughs> it's just a little scary. I think that... The- Grape shot should have just been gone a long time ago. Like, there's no reason to go through like four different iterations of banning cards out of the storm deck. Like, just get rid of grape shot. Like, if people want to storm, they can either try and mill with brain freeze or empty the warns. But just, just be done. Isn't that what they eventually did with Popper? Like, they they kept banning storm enablers, and then finally they're like, all right, we're just gonna literally ban anything with the storm mechanic printed on it in the Popper format, and then it finally solved the problem. So. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe that would be be a better technique. I maybe Wizards wants Storm to be legal. I, I don't know. The Wizards' history with bannings in Storm and Modern is very strange because they they keep nibbling around the edges, but it never is actually enough to keep the deck down. And after something new gets printed, it suddenly comes back to the top of the format. So it's like Fink, John Finkel has a direct line to Wizards where he <laughs> makes sure that Storm is viable at all times. It's like, yeah, it only has a forty percent win rate, but just give it to me. <laughs> I'll deal with it. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a reason why Mark Rosewater uses the storm scale <laughs> as, as a way to calibrate if something is too good or not. Like, <laughs> and it's and storm. I don't know. I I'm sure it is fun to play, uh, but I don't know anyone that really enjoys playing against storm. It's one of those decks that's just like it doesn't really lead to enjoyable games of Magic. I don't know. But it's such so. a unique way to play, right? It's kind of like Dredge where. It's so different from typical magic. I feel like Storm would appeal to new players, or the concept of Storm at least, where they're like, oh, you know, you can just cast a bunch of spells and they get stronger and you kill your opponent without, you know, creatures or, you know, the normal way of playing magic. So I think it actually is a pretty cool mechanic, just power level-wise, it's just so difficult to balance. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so any uh, any other modern thoughts before we keep pushing forward there's a lot there are a lot of people playing that hard and scale stack uh, i got ninth on breakers and matt nass has continued to work on it so uh i think that there might there might be something there uh it might be worth looking into 
Yeah, that, that deck is very cool. I've noticed it putting up some Magic Online results here and there as well. So it seems like it, it's like it is very Affinity-esque to some extent, but it's definitely different enough from Affinity that it's its, its own archetype. And it's a really cool deck if you like moving counters around. And when you get the good draws, it can be very powerful and fast. Yeah, Throne of Gath is a hell of a Magic card. <laughs> Uh, yep, yep. Who would have thought? Throwing it, modern, modern is just such. It's such a great format. Like anything can be playable if you find the right synergy. <laughs> yeah, it is a delight. That's for sure. All right. So this week we got an announcement of the new batch of San Diego Comic Con Planeswalkers, which includes uh, Getting of the Trials, uh, Bad Jace, Jace Cunning Castaway, the new Liliana from M19, Liliana Untouched by Death, Chandra Torture Defiance for her second run, I believe, in San Diego Comic Con, and Nissa Vital Force. So did you guys see these cards, and what do you think of them? Uh, mostly aesthetically, but also the card selection choices. Uh, aesthetically amazing. So if you haven't seen them, they're by Therese Nielsen. She did the whole cycle, and it's the Planeswalker uh, with a stained glass background of, I guess, the avatar they represent. So Gideon has, like, Sarah. Uh, Chandra has Jaya. Nissa has Fraley's, uh, etc. So it actually just looks amazing, and probably in the running for best-looking promos, like, ever. Uh, certainly my favorite. Yeah, I think they are my favorite SDCC promos. I really like the black-on-black black ones, because I thought they were unique, but I think these edge out the black-on-black black year with a... Uh, uh, they just look so good. Yeah, she also had Christine Sprinkle do all of the modeling uh, for the for the concept art for it, for all of the female characters, um, which is pretty cool, too. I really like the art. I think they look great. Uh, I think it's going to be the Chandra that most people choose to play with since that card is seen a lot of play even in older formats like Legacy. Um, I'm kind of sad that the rest of the Planeswalkers are kind of a dud, although Gideon of the Trials is seeing some play in Modern. Yeah, uh, I guess... Are there better options? Like, considering the constraints of being standard legal cards, there's not really a good Jace at the moment. I guess you could play have Liliana Death Majesty, but I actually think... Zombie Liliana is not bad if you're playing a zombie deck. I've played her in a few decks now, uh, or a few times in a zombie deck, and been pretty impressed with how good she is, actually. Uh, Nissa Vital Force? Eh, I don't know. I mean, it's not an exciting batch of Planeswalkers, but maybe the looks make up for it. Yeah, I mean, if under the constraints of having to be standard legal, like, just, you can't really do better. Um, but, like, why give it those constraints when you have something that's going to be so unique and cool like this? That's a plus, good like point. They're, plus, they're, they're only $99.99 at SDCC if you can happen to get your hands on one, which is a pretty good deal. Which I think is cheaper than previous years. I bought the I bought them last year, I believe, the zombie ones, uh, not at SDCC, but after the fact. And I think it was like 130 maybe or something. So I think they're a little bit cheaper as well. And usually they yeah. do go on sale after the fact. I don't know if they've announced the date yet, but it's usually like a week or two after. You can buy them through the Hasbro store, but you have to be uh, snappy about it and get there in like the first 15 minutes or sometimes even quicker than that because they sell out super quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They changed they change the process. So previously, if you're at Comic-Con, you can line up to get them. Now it's an online lottery. So I think you have until like Wednesday this week to sign up for the lottery. And then usually they put them up on the store uh, a week or two after Comic-Con. Uh, we usually try to 
post on Twitter when they release that date. And like Seth said, it's usually sometime in the morning and you have five minutes to get them. And if you're not there, they'll be gone. So that's how, and then afterwards you have eBay. So that's how you get these. Uh, usually getting them online is decent if you know when they go up. Uh, I think Seth, you and I have tried, every year we've tried, we've managed to get them uh, when we've tried online. So as long as you know when they're going up and you already have an account and you're ready to go, it should be a relatively easy process. Yeah, yeah, if, you, if you're if you on top of it, it's not too bad to actually get them. If you just kind of like, eh, I think it's sometime today and get on at your leisure, probably not going to work out. And I will say, like, even though the Planeswalkers are not super exciting, I'm pretty happy paying $100 for this set of Planeswalkers. Like, when you combine a decent amount of playability with a couple of them, which is how sweet they look, I think it's worth the $100 price tag. I agree. Uh, So let's move on from SDCC. We have some kind of casual format news. First off, uh, Brawl. Richard, uh, do you have the Brawl changes there? Uh, No, but I know them (laughs) because they're small. All right, so fill us in on the Brawl changes. Uh, so we are now starting with uh, 25 life and oh I, I cursed myself what was the other change free mulligan yes yep. free, free, free mulligan for brawl for 1v1 yeah, for 1v1 those are the two changes uh, for brawl so no no banned and restricted updates so any thoughts on the changes and what are you thinking of brawl in general now it's been six months there was a lot of hype how is the format doing six months uh, post-announcement and post-birth? Uh, so I think that the, the biggest thing holding it back is that it got announced like over halfway through the current standard format, which has a lot of people hesitant because of the rotation happening. Um, I'm excited that they're talking about play design has Brawl on the mind, and so they're looking at you know designing cards with Brawl in mind, because I think Brawl is cool. I hope that like it doesn't detract from how cool Standard can be, because you know you kind of have to balance those. But I'm excited to see what happens when Guilds of Ravnica hits, because then we'll have a fresh format. Cards will have a really long shelf life at that point, um, and I think that it has the potential to take off. Yeah. What are you thinking, Richard? I don't know. Brawl has cooled off. You definitely don't see uh, as many posts or as much hype as we did on the initial announcement. And I think it was just like last week or the week before we had uh, the Grand Prix with the Brawl event where one person signed up and they were the only person that signed up and they won by default. So I, I don't know what to make of it. Is this tiny leaders is this something that everyone was initially hyped about was it something that you know like chris mentioned is it rotation uh having everyone down is it because of the 1v1 aspect uh they're releasing 1v1 deck lists and all the bnr stuff and that's kind of scaring people off of the multiplayer uh can't really tell so i i think with m19 we're we're gonna find out and especially with ravnica with rotation if people will latch on to this format uh or will they actually be turned away you know, when, when rotation happens, like, oh, my Brawl deck rotated, I guess I'm done. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes, because it has both the pros and cons of standard. You know, new cards, if you're a new player, you can understand all the cards. You don't have to read old, obscure cards with Oracle that doesn't even match what the card does. Uh, you know, but it also rotates, it means you have to keep buying new cards, have to keep updating your deck. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But I, I think the first rotation is where we'll really see if Brawl... Uh, latches on or kind of just falls off. 
I think Guilds of Ravnica, in the return, return to Ravnica block in general, has a lot of potential to help Brawl, because traditionally we've got in uh, at least two legends for each guild, along with some other stuff, and that was with Wizards not really focusing on Brawl or even Commander to the extent that they do today as far as printing new cards. So I feel like maybe Brawl will be in a really good place once it's uh, Guilds of Ravnica Brawl with all the legendary guild leaders and stuff, which are probably going to be coming. So I think that will be interesting. It's it's still... The relationship between like competitive 1v1 Brawl and casual Brawl is a little bit complicated, and I still kind of wish that they just like pitched it as a casual format, because I don't think Brawl is really putting up big numbers on Magic Online anyway as, like, a tournament format, so I, I feel like maybe they should have just went that direction, but it might be it might be that that ship has sailed and is just too late to kind of unring the bell, so I guess we'll see. I have noticed people not as excited about it. Like, when it first came out, there were definitely, like, lots of requests to stream Brawl or make videos about Brawl, and now I don't really hear that at all anymore, so... I think it's a format that's not going to die in the way that Tiny Leaders did. I feel like it has enough support from Wizards, and it's uh, accessible enough if you're just, like, putting together standard decks or buying booster boxes that it's pretty easy to build a at least, like, functional Brawl deck that it'll probably find its niche and maybe go more like the Pauper route, where it's always there, but never... Uh, but taking a while, at least, to really break out and be this, like, kind of name-brand format. So... Uh, I don't know. Did either of you play Brawl at this point? Have you been playing any Brawl recently? I know I tried it when it first came out, but haven't played much since then. Uh, I haven't played Brawl. I'm only interested in multiplayer Brawl, and that's not available in any online format, so I haven't really had the chance to try it out. I play Brawl. Um, I do think that multiplayer Brawl should be available online. It's a huge mistake for them to not have it. Um, Some more thoughts on it. The rotation will obviously help. Um, but one of the big things that will help it is, uh, and the analogy that I want to use is like the barrier to entry to just to play commander is very low because they have these pre-made commander decks that Wizards makes that you can buy that have a great price point and are a great product. Something like that doesn't exist for Brawl. It's like I've created a product on Card Kingdom that we tested out, um, that the reception was awesome. So I'm looking forward to the rotation happening and hoping that there are going to be other types of products that will be available to get people into the format. Because while, while I think that Wizards thinks that people that play Standard but not Commander may see it and think, oh, well, let's go ahead and try this. I think it's more so of like a new player that's thinking about trying to play FNM but only drafts. Um, but they also see this cool format that they could just buy this deck for and play. Uh, it's like the same audience as the Challenger decks that they had for uh, for this for this last standard format. And without having that type of entry level product that somebody could buy and just battle with, like the barrier to entry to it. It's really, really high, not so much monetary-wise, but, like, effort and knowledge-wise. Yeah, that's a good point, and maybe that's something that will be coming. I know they've mentioned, they haven't said specifically what, but they've mentioned making products specifically for Brawl, like supplemental products in the future, so maybe we'll see at some point in the next year, who knows how long it'll take to actually happen, but I would not be surprised if we saw some sort of intro decks for the Brawl format. Yeah, and we had Arena Singleton 
on a Magic Arena for the past week, and it was one of the most popular formats when it went away. Everyone's like, why are you removing it? It's not Brawl, it's just Singleton, but it kind of hits the same points. People are tired of Standard, or uh, it's too hard to get into Standard, but they have a Standard collection, so they want to just mash their cards together into a deck. Singleton is very easy, because you open a single Mythic, you can put in your deck, you don't need to collect a whole playset. And uh, they can take their you know standard cards they don't want to play with anymore, or they're tired of the standard metagame, mash it into a singleton deck and play. And it was very popular. So that response gives me hope for Brawl. Uh, Brawl is similar, it's not the same. There, there are differences between singleton and Brawl, but it is the same theory of you have a collection, how can you utilize it to play more magic? Well, speaking of kind of casual formats, we also had a banner restricted announcement for the commander format that came out this morning and uh it was a short one no changes no changes no changes so uh chris and richard should there be changes you let's say you are given the reins and added to the rules committee for commander what would you be doing with the format uh richard uh i would not even have a band list I mean, I would just let people oh, do what they want to do, and it's up to your playgroup to decide power level, uh, you know, because there, there are certain cards that are very oppressive, uh, but as you see with the current ban list, cards that are oppressive may or may not be on the ban list, and it really depends on your playgroup and what they want to do with it. So I think trying to police a casual format is going to be pretty difficult. So I think you just hands off and say, at your discretion, you guys should figure out, you know, what you want to play with. What about you, Chris? So I don't play, admittedly, I don't play a ton of Commander, so I'm not as well-versed as uh, others may be. Um, but in my sample size, uh, I think that it's a crime that both Soul Ring and Cyclonic Rift are still legal to play in that format. Games where one player has Soul Ring and the other player does not, aren't even close to being games of magic and cyclonic rift is way 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 better than cards like sylvan primordial or whatever other cards like that that are banned um that just the card ends the game on the spot yeah i i have been a big ban soul ring person for a while now i actually the first time i said that i didn't realize what a controversial statement that was and posted on twitter and had a, a massive conversation about it because uh, people feel strongly about it in the argument from the other side, it doesn't seem to be that Soul Ring is good for the format, but it's kind of the brainstorm in Legacy argument, where it's like uh, uh, Soul Ring is synonymous with the Commander format, and we just, we can't get rid of it. Along with the argument that you're playing a 100-card deck, so you only see it sometimes, but I find the variance to be really unfun and maddening. It's like, oh, if someone in your four-player game just happens to have Soul Ring in their opening hand, it's like they kind of won the lotto, and they're going to be super far ahead of everyone else. Uh, Cyclonic Rift, if it was a sorcery, it would probably be okay, or at least more okay, but as an instant, it, when you get to use it first and cast it on your opponent's end step, it's really not a especially fair magic card, and I would... I would like to see it banned as well. So I don't know. I I don't really understand the the, the commander ban list. It's very confusing. So yeah, I mean, I don't mind either of these cards. So, so here here are the counter arguments. Soul ring. If you soul ring to accelerate yourself, you essentially become arch enemy, and you have three players worth of resources working against you to prevent you from winning. And those three players have more than the two mana you gained. 
And it also just enables the quote unquote fun stuff. So, you know, for example, you, you love playing Black Lotus. Well, here's a Sol Ring, right? So this is, that's kind of the I'm grandfathered into Commander argument as well. And Cyclonic Rift, uh, seven mana, you can just use a one mana counterspell or a two mana counterspell to deal with this. So yes, it is a seven mana, I win the game if it resolves card, but we have plenty of those in Commander and typically a single counterspell from anyone will stop that. So it, yeah, it wins the game on the spot, but it's not like unbeatable or it's not, I don't know, ridiculous. So I, I think they're perfectly fine. It's like that, that is, that argument is the classic argument from the viewpoint that nothing should be banned. Yeah. Right? Like, like, oh, <laughs> that would be consistent with my viewpoint. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So like you, you can always stop it with this, but, but like that's that you can't really operate that way in good faith because that's not how. Because then everybody always has to have that dispel or that, that way to interact with it because that all becomes ubiquitous and then it leads to everything, you know, things being homogenous and not very fun. Um, what if you just made it so that mana from Sol Ring couldn't be used to play, pay for your commander? Ooh. Hmm. Or just, like, everyone starts with a ley line of Sol Ring so it's fair. <laughs> Everyone starts with extra oh, mana. Oh jeez. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't I, know. I mean, you could police the format, but where do you where do you draw the line, right? Like once you start banning things at Soul Ring, that's where you draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about mana? What about mana crypt? What about mana vault? Like where where do you start and stop? Both of those cards have drawbacks. Soul Ring literally has no drawback. It has the drawback of making you arch enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, but then you just play your Cyclonic Rift for 7 that's mana true. If, if you, everybody else and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you accelerate into the Cyclonic Rift. That's how you do it. We figured it out. I think the no ban list idea is interesting and I would definitely encourage playgroups to use their own ban list whether that means unbanning cards or house banning cards. But you probably gotta have some standards just because what uh, I imagine with no ban list if you just go to play a game at a local game store and it's not a play group you're familiar with it would probably be pretty degenerate and not that fun yeah, yeah. but some people might find that fun that's that's the great part of it being casual is it's very subjective yeah I, yeah I think the way you separate your game should be power level like hey are you playing pre-cons or are you playing I'm gonna win immediately competitive EDH uh, currently we don't have a way to separate those kind of decks in a formal manner even with the ban list like it always has this disclaimer of like you can make your own house rules so like if you if the four of you agree that you know nobody can have a soul ring or if the four of you agree that you know this one person can play Rafelos if he really really wants to um, then like whatever you can do that do that yourself so like whether or not there's a ban list like doesn't stop you from using house rules yeah i think that's i think that that's a good point and i would definitely i think more people should use house rules like i think if you're not if you're not kind of creating your own commander format and you have a play group that you're playing with regularly definitely talk about it and try it because i i think it's fun and what's broken for your play group or acceptable for your play groups probably going to be different than what the actual ban list says so it's worth having those conversations and working through it in your play group because i i think it does improve your commander games with house bans and house unbans all right so it, if we could make changes so you know my answer my answer is i, I would just not have a ban list what what would uh chris and seth your answers be to changes to uh the commander bnr Ooh, well mine's pretty easy uh cyclonic rift i would ban i would also 
I would also ban all the fast mana cards, uh, Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, and Soul Ring, kind of like the house bans we have on Commander Clash. And then, oh man, I don't know the ban list well enough to tell you what should be unbanned, although I do think, like, uh, Sylvan Primordial could probably come off the ban list, and I know there's other cards. If I actually looked over the list, that I'd be like, eh, that, yeah, that's probably fine to have in the format. My real only complaints are that well, really, the only complaint is that Soul Ring it just feels... I don't think I've ever felt worse than uh, when my opponent has a Soul Ring and I don't. In fact, one of my first times playing Commander, so I built my first Commander deck. Uh, it was uh, Athreos, just like a black-white value deck, and I'm gunslinging at a charity event that Cedric Phillips put on, Play for Fae, here. And we could play any format. The guy's like, yeah, let's play Commander. Um, and he just like plays Arkham Daxon on turn one and then kills me on turn two <laughs> in this charity event. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Here's your pack for winning. <laughs> He's like, you want to play again? I'm like, oh, well, there's a line. If you want to go back to the line, we can play some more. But it's just, yeah, just so ring Daxon on turn one. All right. We're, we're having fun, aren't we? <laughs> Hope you had your fun, Chris. He had his. <laughs> oh, I did. It's for, it's for charity. So it's, so it's all fun. But it's still just like... Just have to sit there and smile while I'm getting turn one soul rings. Yeah, one v one, I think definitely should have a ban list. And there's actually a separate. There's actually several ban lists, right? We have the Moto one v one ban list. We also have the French Commander ban list. So there's actually several variations of ban lists for one v one Commander. All right, let's uh let's fish mail it up, Richard. Take it away. All right. Uh, if you have your questions, send them to the hashtag MDGFishMail at MTGGoldfish on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions. Uh, ShyZ, do you think limited Grand Prix should move to Rochester draft for streams? It's so much better to watch and might help viewership for limited top eights. Oh, man. I think that the problem is that Rochester drafts would be impractically long. It would add... Uh, hours, two, three hours when you consider you gotta do three drafts at a limited GP, that would be even more than that. Uh, it would add a lot of time to a GP, so I think it's probably just not practical for that reason. Yeah. Do, do we have coverage? <laughs> it's just not practical. Besides the beta drafts, uh, when Rochester draft used to be uh, an actual format played at, uh, you know, professional events, was that in the coverage era, or was that before coverage? It was not. Uh, the, the, beta, the beta draft, beta Rochester was the first covered Rochester draft and or the first streamed covered Rochester draft in Magic's oh, history. Okay. Uh, Joshua the Hut, any advice for someone looking to pick up their first original dual lands and other reserve list cards? Just want to get a few for pet commander decks. Uh, do, do it soon. Do it soon. I don't think as yeah, much wait. as much as I would love to see the reserve list go away. There's not really any signs of that happening in the near future, and there's not any signs that those cards are going to stop being bought out and increasing in price. So uh, the sooner the better, basically. Yeah, just don't wait. Do what you can to get them. They're they're only going to go up. All right, Moz MTG, Seth, how do you pick decks for instant deck tech? Uh, so I spend half half of the day looking through every source of decks I can find on the internet, look for things that are unique or strike my fancy, and there you go. That It becomes an instant deck tech. I don't really have any formula for it. I kind of have been doing it long enough that I 
have an idea what people like as far as what are, makes popular deck tags, which are usually really janky, unique decks that are different than the decks that you see if you tune into coverage or whatever, or see at your FNM. So I'm mostly just trying to find anything that looks unique and different and out of the ordinary that also, I don't really care how competitive or big the tournament was, but it, it was competitive enough that even if it was a, a 20 player small Japanese tournament, like the list was posted somewhere so I can justify it as being like a, a semi-competitive deck. It's on the internet. It must be official. <laughs> uh, Rakdos77. Why does green get powerful cantrips like Ancient Stirrings and Adventures Impulse? We talked about this briefly. Uh, could Ponder be unbanned or maybe a functional reprint at 2 CMC instead of 1? I don't know if 2 mana Ponder would be playable. How deep does it have to ponder for 2 mana to make it usable? Oh, I mean, if it's, like, any less than looking at three, then it's just so similar to Serum Visions. I think that Serum Visions is... Or not Serum Visions, uh, Preordain is good enough to... Like, it's it, it strikes me on that good balance to be, to be unbanned. I think that Ancient Stirrings is probably a bit too good. However, I feel like one of the problems that we kind of had in Magic for a long time was that only blue really had card advantage and card selection and in the last few years Wizards has really focused on expanding that out into basically all non-white colors I mean blue and black have always had good card draw but I think this is maybe just like a side effect I think the game is better overall when all colors kind of have at least some form of that but they might have went a little too far with green recently not just ancient strings but there was a time when like green decks with tireless tracker and courser were like the best card advantage decks in standard for a long time yeah, white's white's kind of been left out. We need some white consistency or card advantage or something. All the other colors have gotten it over time except white. How do you make white? How do you uh, like with red they do the rummaging, like reverse looting. Green gets all this weird stuff. Blue and black is pretty straightforward card draw. How do you make a white card advantage mechanic? Any ideas? His historically it's had to do with land. So you look at cards like Tithe, Weathered Wayfair, Land Tax, like, white's card advantage usually comes from uh, land-based type stuff, which isn't really in white's color pie as much as it is in green's. It is a, a, a secondary. Um, I think that white's card advantage just comes should just come from, like, good rate on creatures and spells that generate multiple bodies. Yeah, maybe maybe tokens? So, 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 something like a Ranger of Eos or a Spectral Procession, Lingering Souls. Like To me, those are the type of cards that I think are card advantage, air quotes, when it comes to white. Makes sense. Uh, Juan Garcia 202, just started getting into Commander. What is the general feeling on including color hosers? Fair game or eye roll inducing? Uh, I, I think it would probably depend on your playgroup, although... In our playgroup, it's not common. Like, maybe there's... If you can justify it as actually having some function in your deck, it's probably fine. But I would definitely give you an eye roll if you just, like, played Choke and randomly made someone not be able to play Magic. Yeah, I mean, if you have a combo with it, (laughs) then maybe. But it's also very... Like, I think it's very underhanded if you know you're playing someone and you're like okay let me bring in this deck which has all the color hosers for you if you just play i don't know random circle of protections and hope you hit the right person it's not as bad but essentially you make the game unplayable or unfun 
for a very specific person or a very specific deck. And I don't know if that's in the spirit of Commander. Like, is there a point to playing that card? So I tend to stay away from Hosers unless it's something, uh, you know, where I make all all lands mountains and then destroy all mountains, right? Then, okay, yeah, you have a point to that card. But just randomly hating on someone because they play a certain color or something is is a little unfun in my opinion. Bad form. <laughs> that's that's my take on it. Yeah, plus if you, if you get the reputation of playing the color hoser, then people will just gun for you immediately in future games where they know if they wait long enough they're going to get choked out or something. Uh, they'll just come after you from the get-go, which is not something you want either. Uh, next question. Kana Wataki. Double cast plus insult injury. Copy insult cast wizard's lightning uh with the wizard on board is 12 damage to the face for six mana i think chain roller is the least of our worries until rotation unless i'm thinking overthinking the possibility of mono red burn till october uh speaking of magical christmas land burn i literally played a game earlier where uh my opponent played eminent doom and then their next turn they untapped and played uh the one drop wizard that gets that turns into a goblin guide with two spells in the graveyard but they played that into lightning strike into wizard's lightning with their four mana and i think that was 14 damage if i counted it right some ridiculous amount of damage so maybe you could combine those together Sounds like a new meta to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, but on a serious note, four four cards to deal twelve damage is actually even not that good. That's actually just like lightning bolts. Uh, but chain roller is just one card. So assembling four cards together with the right mana uh, all at once is a lot more difficult. And if you manage to do it, then I think you deserve getting that twelve damage to the face. Yeah, you, you worked real hard for it. Uh, I will say that if you want that type of play style, but something that's a little more consistent, like decks using the Flame of Keld do exactly that, but like way more consistent. So like you don't have to have this convoluted like Rube Goldberg machine to deal a bunch of damage. Like you just play F- Flame of Keld, draw three cards the next turn, and then go crazy on your opponent the following turn. All right, uh, Kitty Chillian, I would like to hear your opinions on Singleton versus Brawl in Arena. For Singleton, or for me, Singleton is more fun because it is more random. Commander, a uh, commander adds consistency and is more competitive-minded, which I've had enough of in Standard. So Seth, I believe you're the only one who's actually played Singleton. <laughs> what, what do you think about the Singleton versus Brawl here? Uh, so they are very similar in a lot of ways, and I actually think that Singleton is probably better for Magic Arena. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, I like Brawl as a casual multiplayer format, but I'm not a huge fan of it as a 1v1 format, and... I don't think Magic Arena has the capabilities, definitely not at this point, and I, uh, my mind boggles whenever I try to picture having four players on the Magic Arena battlefield. I just don't think that that's a thing that can happen. So I think that Magic Arena is actually, maybe should just support Singleton or primarily support Singleton and not worry about Brawl. All right, next question. Tidal Wave 87, I noticed a mono red deck in Modern that's running a lot of standard staples. It looks pretty good, but I'm not sure about Goblin Chain Roller. Does Modern have enough X1s to make it playable? I've played a couple of decks now that have had Chain Whirlers either in the main deck or sideboard, and while it's not great in every matchup, I have been very impressed with, even if you're just picking off like a Birds of Paradise, it's a decent card, and then sometimes you like get both halves of a Lingering Souls, and it's just 
awesome. So I actually think Jane Whirler, assuming you can cast it consistently, is not that bad and maybe even decent in modern. There's a a lot of value in being able to kill like Liliana the Veil tick down or adjacent one counter. Um, so it's that's worth noting as well. Yep. Uh, Dr. Bernard DPM. We want Commander Clash. When can we have it back? Well, I have good news for you. It's coming this Friday. The next season of Commander Clash, season five, is starting this Friday on our YouTube channel. And then 20, 25 episodes will be running straight through to the end of the year. So you're going to have plenty of Commander Clash starting Friday. Uh, next question. Banalish Knight. Do you guys think Wizards will make Commander 2018 Planeswalkers? Yes. Have they announced... Do we the theme? What is the theme? Like spoilers start they, this week, right? They are well. Spoilers don't start this week, but they are announcing the themes and releasing artwork. I think it's Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Oh, okay. So, so and then I think spoilers will start maybe next week or the week after because they don't come out until August. So, uh, my guess would be we're going to have more legalist commander planeswalkers, but that's just a guess and speculation. I don't know. I hope that. If they do, they just end up making it so that planeswalkers can be commanders. But then that is a whole another bag of worms that uh, we have. Well, to deal do with. you guys think wizards will wrestle away the power from the rule committee? Because I think this is where they've started to deviate. Uh, the rules committee has clearly stated that they've thought about commanders, uh, planeswalkers as commanders, and they don't like it. And with Watsy trying to push commanders, uh, commander planeswalkers like in Brawl. Uh, is this the last draw where like, okay, we're taking over the, the rules list, we're, we're going to do it now? Or will we continue to have this weird cooperation between Watsi and a non-Watsi affiliated group? After watching Unstable have the weird unbanning for like three months, I feel like if Wizards wanted Planeswalkers to be legal, they could make it happen, even through the rules committee. I think if Wizards strongly suggested that, that the rules committee would come around and do it. I see. So you don't think an official takeover, just a a strong word behind the scenes will get them to change their tune? That's That would be my thinking. I don't think they are going to take it over officially, but I think that they could exert their influence and make it happen uh, through the rules committee if they really wanted to. All right, next question from Looney. Should I purchase Foil Walking Ballista for Commander before or after rotation, considering the fact that it is played in Modern as well? It can only go down a little bit after rotation, but I don't think that it will go down very much because it still sees a lot of play in both Modern and Vintage. Um, And we may even end up seeing, like if it shows up in a Legacy deck that does well at the the Team Pro Tour, the foil versions are going to skyrocket. Yeah. I mean, so maybe it's just, I think it will most likely go down a bit too, but not completely crash. But maybe if there's a risk of it breaking out at the Pro Tour, maybe it's fine to just get it now at 30 bucks. You're like, getting it now for 30 bucks, you're minimizing the risk of it spiking for some reason. And I don't think you're going to gain that much. Like, maybe it goes down to 25 or something. So maybe that five bucks just isn't worth trying to save and you just grab it now. All right. Next question, Edivanta, what is the probability that Shocklands won't be reprinted 
in guilds of Ravnica? Uh, 23%. So that means you think they will be reprinted, Seth. I think it's very likely, uh, probably 25%. uh, 25%. I think it's like 75% that we will get them. I would be surprised if we didn't get them, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if it didn't happen either. Chris, what about you? I think odds are in favor. Uh, yeah, I mean, we ran the numbers 23%. 23% exact. If it's 25%, I'm coming back to you guys. <laughs> Rats. Uh, God of Grenades, is there a combo of dusting slash wildcard model that would work in Arena where you could dust your wildcards? So four common wildcards to make an uncommon wildcard, four uncommon to make a rare... Uh, etc. Sure. No, that's an interesting. I mean, that idea. basically I mean, makes it one wild card currency, right? But then, like at that point, why not just be able to dust your actual cards? Yeah, that, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. You could do that. I don't know if I like adding another layer of uh, complexity into the Magic Arena economy. So I would rather just have them be like, okay, you can dust stuff, but they they could make it so you could trade around your wild cards like that. Yeah, if they if they actually implement this, then. I, I would be very shocked because it, it's basically dusting but not dusting at, at which point they should just give in and make it dusting because <laughs> then you just have this very convoluted system and uh, it's just bad for new players you have to track like all these currencies already and then now you can swap between them so why don't you just simplify it and just make you know one thing called dust uh, Oscar Quinones B hello guys what standard zombie list do you think is going to get uh, good until rotation. Mono black or white black? Say hi to Chaz for me. I miss him, and you should have Todd and Tomer guess more. Mm, until rotation, Who I think. <laughs> until rotation, mono black or white black? And what about at rotation? I think that white black is going to be better until rotation, and mono black will be better at after rotation. But I still don't know like where the level of goodness is going to land. <laughs> I like mono black before rotation. And then I actually think the deck is unlikely to be playable after rotation unless we get a surprising number of zombies in Guilds of Ravnica. Last question. Snare Johnson 664 what do y'all think about a reverse Death's Shadow? A one-drop 0-0 that gets plus one, plus one for each point of life beyond your starting life total. It's called Sarah Ascendant. <laughs> yeah, isn't that very similar to that? <laughs> I mean, I think you could do that. It could probably be pretty busted and be very good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it reminds me of Sarah Ascended. Yeah, uh, gaining life is actually kind of hard. Losing life is very easy with your shock lands and stuff like that. So actually making your one drop work is very difficult. If you're ever behind, you can't cast this. And somehow gaining like five life to make a one mana five five is actually pretty difficult. And you don't want to get killed by a lightning bolt either. So I actually think it's actually a lot harder. It needs to be something more similar uh, to the angel we already have as opposed to just straight up death shadow. Because if you want the same power, you need to be at like 30 life somehow. Uh, and that's going to be hard if your opponent is actually playing an interactive game of Magic. Yeah. All right. That's all our questions this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to them on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 180 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Chris, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. We will be back next week to talk some more magic. Until then, have a wonderful week, and this is the group signing out.